Um, yeah. So today's Bible reading comes from Matthew 6, verses 5 to 15, and 18, verses 21 to 35. Whenever you pray, it must not be like the hypocrites, because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly I tell you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you pray, don't bubble like the Gentiles, since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, because your Father knows the things you need before you ask him. Therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honoured as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their offences, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive others, your Father will not forgive your offences. And then from 21 to 35. Then Peter approached him and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? As many as seven times? I tell you, not as many as seven, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle accounts, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought before him. Since he did not have the money to pay it back, his master commanded that he, his wife, his children, and everything he had to be sold to pay the debt. At this, the servant fell face down before him and said, Be patient with me, and I will pay you everything. Then the master of that servant had compassion, released him, and forgave him the loan. That servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him, started choking him, and said, Pay what you owe. At this, his fellow servant fell face down and began begging him, Be patient with me, and I will pay you back. But he wasn't willing. Instead, he went and threw him into prison until he could pay what was owed. When other servants saw what had taken place, they were deeply distressed and went and reported to their master everything that had happened. Then, after he had summoned him, his master said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt, that because, the debt because you begged me. Shouldn't you also have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And because he was angry, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay everything that was owed. So also my heavenly Father will do to you, unless every one of you forgives his brother or sister from your heart.
Just before our reading in chapter 18, Jesus told his disciples how they had to deal with someone of their own community who had gone astray. How they are to point out that his or her sin on a one-to-one basis, lovingly, without confrontation. If he or she refused to listen then to come with one or two others so they could be supported and be witnesses in all of this. And if he or she still won't listen, then they have to take more drastic action. Now Peter obviously thought about this and so he asked Jesus, how often should someone actually forgive? Now this is a perfectly reasonable question. The rabbinical advice at this time was to forgive someone up to three times. And after that you don't need to forgive anymore. Peter, having been with Jesus for quite some time, now tries to show his compassion and his reasonableness by asking if they should forgive up to seven times. Now this was significantly more than officially required. However, he still didn't quite understand what Jesus was really teaching him. And Jesus says not seven times, but 77 times, or in some versions say 70 times seven times. The point that Jesus is making here is there is no cap on forgiveness. There's no room for unforgiveness in his kingdom, no matter how many times you're required to forgive. The rabbis put the cap at three, Peter put the cap at seven, but both still had a cap. They still left room for unforgiveness. And Jesus said there can be no room for unforgiveness. With God, no matter how many times you come to him for forgiveness, with a sincere heart, he will always forgive. No matter how serious the sin or how often we sin, and we as his children must do as God does. We are his image bearers. We are his representatives here on earth. To emphasise this point, he then tells them a parable. There's a king who has a slave and this slave racked up a debt that he in his position would never ever be able to repay. Not even if he lived a number of lifetimes. In our reading we're giving a figure of about 10,000 talents. Now one talent was about 20 years pay for a labourer. So if we look at that in today's figures at say $50,000 a year, he had a debt of about $10 billion. Now the king decides that it's time to call in his debt and the slave is called in and asks, well, where's the money? Well, of course, he can't pay. The king then rules on the matter and acts with perfect justice. According to the law, the slave and his family are his property and he's entitled to try and recoup some of what's owed to him and has every right to sell them to that end. And so that's what he does. He decrees that the slave and his wife and children be sent to the slave market and sold. Now this was something the slave dreaded because it would most likely destroy his family as it would be highly unlikely for them to be sold as a unit. And he all knew that, and who knew what kind of owner he might have next or where his wife and children would end up. So he cries out to the king for mercy. He begs him for more time even though he knew and the king also knew that it wouldn't make any difference. 
you will still never be able to pay. As much as it may go against our grain, we are in the position of this slave. We belong body and soul to our master and we owe him a debt that we can never repay. We need to appreciate the gravity of our sin and the impossible situation we find ourselves in where we can never atone for them. We are totally at the mercy of our master and have nothing to bargain with or to offer him. And just like our king, this king shows his true character and his mercy on his slave. He extends his grace to him, forgiving him, freeing him from all his debt. He's prepared to throw away $10 billion out of love and compassion for his slave. He sets no conditions. He doesn't require him to at least pay some of it. He doesn't say, you owe me, as we often see in the movies. He doesn't find some way for him to repay him. No, he just sets him free. However, he does have an expectation. He expects the servant to show gratitude by extending grace to others as it had been extended to him. And next we see that for this slave the tables are turned. And instead of him being the debtor, he's the one who is owed. A fellow slave owes him a relatively small sum. A sum that giving a little time, that person would easily be able to pay back. He is the first slave's opportunity to show his love for his master. To demonstrate his gratitude for all that had been done for him. To have compassion, to show mercy and grace to a fellow slave. He had this wonderful opportunity to demonstrate to all those around him the beautiful nature of his master by acting in the same way to his colleague as his master had to him. But he blew it. Instead of compassion, mercy and grace, he showed a callous disregard for the well-being of his brother. He refused not only to forgive his debt, but to even give him a little more time to pay. And he did this for all the world to see. He wore the uniform of his master. Everyone could see who he belonged to. Or in all his actions, he was an ambassador for his master. When people saw him, they didn't only see him, but also the one he represented. And so by his actions, he sullied the good name of the king he served. As you would expect, this angered the king, and he was sent for and confronted with his actions. The king revoked his previous decision and restored the debt previously owed and sent him to prison, where he would spend the rest of his life. As Jesus says in Matthew 6, For if you forgive people their wrongdoing, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive people, your Father will not forgive your wrongdoing. Grace. We stand in awe of God's grace, don't we? Looking at ourselves, warts and all, 
being truly honest with ourselves and considering ourselves in the pure, perfect light of our Lord and Master, we can't help but realize that we can never measure up to God's perfect standard. We realize how sullied we are, how stained we are with all the sins committed over a lifetime and that we are in the position of never being able to repay the debt we owe God. We stand naked before our Lord and King. We have nowhere to hide, for nothing is hidden from his gaze. How grateful are we for what Jesus has done for us. How humbled are we by the grace extended to us by a perfect God. When we look at the unforgiving slave, we see a man who really didn't appreciate what had been done for him. We see someone who was not humble, someone who was not grateful, but instead became arrogant and prideful, as if the king forgave him because he merited it. It was as if he felt himself superior. It seems that in his mind, the king thought so much of him that he was worthy of forgiveness. He failed to appreciate the magnitude of the forgiveness he received. He failed to see what, that he w- was forgiven because of the king's mercy and grace, not because of his own goodness. He failed to see that his forgiveness had nothing to do with him and everything to do with the king. Jesus was very strong on the need to forgive. He continually ties our willingness to forgive to the Father forgiving us. In Mark 11 we read, But when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against, so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. And in this parable of the wicked slave, The master of that slave was so incensed with his unforgiveness that he revoked the forgiveness offered him and forced him to suffer an even greater punishment than that which he would otherwise have avoided. We are in the position of the slave owing the debt. But the question is, are we wicked slaves? In Luke 17, Jesus says, Be on your guard. If another disciple sins, you must rebuke the offender. If there is repentance, you must forgive. And if the same person sins against you seven times a day and turns back to you seven times and says, I repent, you must forgive. This is what it means to be Christ-like. Because forgiveness is an expression of grace. And God is the God of grace. How often have you recited the Lord's Prayer? Over the years, probably hundreds of times. Have you ever stopped to think about what we're actually asking God to do? When we say forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us, we're actually asking God to use the yardstick of how much we forgive others to measure how much he should forgive us. As we forgive, please forgive us. Look what Jesus has done here. 
He's forced us to take responsibility for our forgiveness or lack thereof. Every time we recite the Lord's Prayer, we put the spotlight right back on ourselves. Forgive me as I forgive. He follows, then follows that up in the very next verse after the Lord's Prayer with if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. And that's exactly what we're asking God to do. If you put that part of the Lord's Prayer in the negative, we're actually saying to God, don't forgive us if we don't forgive. Frightening, isn't it? From the very beginning, we see God's grace at work. And one of the most obvious manifestations of his grace is forgiveness. When Adam and Eve sinned, God so wanted to forgive them that he already put in place a plan to be able to do just that. This wasn't an easy thing for our Lord to do. It took the life, death and resurrection of his dear son, our Lord Jesus Christ, to fully implement it. There are many instances recorded in the Old Testament of God forgiving. In Leviticus and Numbers, there are number, numerous times where God said that if his people do certain things, like if they humbly come before him with a contrite heart and bring sin offerings, he will accept them and forgive. He forgave Israel as a nation on numerous occasions. He forgave David in his sin with Bathsheba and the subsequent murder of her husband, Uriah, just to name a few. But none of that would have been possible without the sacrifice of Jesus, even though that would not happen until long after these events. Jesus' sacrifice paid for sin before and after his crucifixion. God left no stone unturned in his quest to have us back in a right relationship with him. That was pure grace. He didn't have to do this. He chose to do it of his own free will. He didn't grant us his grace because we asked for it. He made his grace available to us before we even knew to ask for it. Do you have forgiveness issues? Is there unforgiveness in your life? Do you carry bitterness around like, like some kind of right? No matter how long you've carried it, whether it's from years ago or just recently, you must forgive. As God has forgiven us, we must also forgive no matter how grievously we've been sinned against. As much as we've been hurt, and I don't want to trivialise whatever you may have suffered, we must realise that whatever it was, it is nothing compared to what God has forgiven us. You must say, yes, but you don't know what I've been through. You don't know how much I've been hurt. You don't know how much pain that I've suffered. And that's true, I don't. But let me ask you, how does it compare with the suffering of Christ? How does it compare with him carrying the burden of every sin ever committed on his shoulders? How does it compare with living for years, knowing that you were heading for a particular date on which you would die an excruciating death, knowing that every day you woke up was one day closer? 
How does he compare with being the Son of Almighty God, the second person of the Trinity who came down from heavenly glory, being ridiculed, laughed at, spat upon and struck by his own slaves, those who should be worshipping him? How does he compare with being stripped and flogged to within an inch of your life, having your flesh ripped from your body? How does he compare with having a crown of cruel thorns rammed down on your head? How does it compare with having spikes driven through your hands and your feet? How does it compare with hanging on the rough-hewn cross as the crowd laughed and jeered, heaping insults on him as the life slowly drained from his body? Think of the incredible restraint Jesus showed here. He had legions of angels ready to do his bidding. All he had to do was say the word and his suffering would be over. And his enemies will be destroyed. The suffering and death of our Lord Jesus was the ultimate expression of God's grace. God's grace to us. Through his death, the $10 billion that each of us owes our king was wiped away. Not because of our righteousness. Not because we are somehow better than others, but purely because of God's mercy, of God's grace. If we now refuse to extend, extend grace and forgiveness to those who have wronged us, we will sully the good name of our King, and we will again apply, and He will again apply the debt to us. That's not what I say. That's what Jesus says. When we confess Jesus as Lord, we take on his uniform for all the world to see. And whatever we do reflects on his good name. Jesus is our Lord and Master. We are his disciples. A disciple is one who learns from his Master so that he can emulate him, so that he can do what the Master does, think the way the Master thinks, and seeks to take the Master's teaching further than the Master ever did. Taking it to the next level so that the master can say, well done, good and faithful servant. When we live like our master, taking his teaching to heart, honouring him as we serve him, we please him. And the best way we can honour our master is to be people of grace, like our master is a God of grace. And any refusal to grant forgiveness is a refusal to extend grace, thereby dishonouring our master. But we don't have to do this on our own. We must remember that our Lord doesn't leave us to our own devices. He extends his grace to us, his people, by offering us his strength to overcome our weakness. What we need, first of all, is a deep desire to do the will of God, to want to honour him, to please him. And then we need a willingness to at least try to forgive. And God will help us. Forgiveness is a process. It's not a simple one-off saying, I forgive and it's done. To forgive, to forgive from the heart takes time and effort.
We are not like God, able to erase an event from our minds as if it never happened, especially if it touched us very deeply. But we can come to the point where the event no longer brings feelings of need for revenge, feelings of animosity towards the one who hurt us, where we can once again love that person as Jesus loved. Have you ever heard someone say, I forgive, but I'll never forget? Or maybe you've even said it yourself. It is true that we probably will never forget. But when you make a statement like that, you're probably saying that you will always hold it against the offender. That, my brothers and sisters, is not forgiveness. While on the cross, our Lord Jesus, instead of seeking revenge, instead of accusing, instead of even getting angry, he was full of compassion and said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. While they were in the very act of torturing him and putting him to death, he forgave them. That is the type of forgiveness he expects from us. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Let us make sure that we give our God every reason to forgive us by going out of our way to forgive others. Shall we pray? Our most gracious Lord, our dear, wonderful Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for granting us the capacity to forgive. Oh, Lord, for we also know that when we forgive, we set ourselves free. So, Father, we pray that you will give us the strength, the courage, the deep desire to honour you by forgiving others as you forgave us. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.